Hello, friends. Welcome back. It's me, Business Cat. I'm so happy you found your way back to us. In this conversation, Fundamentals and I talked about the uh, IRS letter to Kraken, saving versus investing, and we got into whether someone first needs to be black-pilled before they can be orange-pilled. If you like our content and would like to support the show, listen to it using an app like Fountain and stream us ads value for value while you listen. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin stratum address, using our show's username, Rock Paper Bitcoin, appended with your uh, whatever username you want. Connection details will be in the show notes. Thank you so much to Lonely Pumpkins for contributing hash rate in the last week. Hey dude, you're awesome. We love you. You know who you are. Keep it up, brother. You're the best. Finally, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Let's get into it. We are back again. I'm, uh, every time we like start this, I think I'm just starting to like think of the. Uh, you have the most pleasant intro to the back to the intro music it's like uh your radio voice you know yeah <laughs> and it's you know it's very inviting did i did um, i tell you that i actually was a, i worked on the radio one of my first jobs was a radio dj you never told me that but dude i believe it i really do believe it and so i was thinking about um like i was thinking about when we first started this thing and um i guess i'd heard you on the high hash rate which you <laughs> then told me you just did another one last week with those guys mm-hmm. but i heard i heard you on that one and just thought to myself damn this dude is like it's got a good like it's got a good voice well i, I appreciate that because that yeah my first appearance on high hash rate I, that's the first time i've ever appeared on a podcast and i think that's really the only one that i've ever listened to and i was like boy i need to be more aware of what i say before i say it yeah i was i was not super happy with how i came across well, you just the podcast. i th- those guys just let you go for like however long. It was like an hour and a half. They just let you rip, and I was just, I was impressed. I just remember being impressed and thinking to myself that this would be a good guy to do a podcast with. This next one. So yeah, the the one it's that we nice recorded. Voice. Well, thank you, thank you. Very much. And I was like, yeah, oh, this he would be the Paul McCartney of this team because you have that you got that red nice nice resonant tone, you know. <laughs> we got super cosmic on this last Wednesday night when we recorded. I, I talked about yeah Bitcoin astronomy stuff. We talked about the Akashic records. It was it was crazy. It was a good it was a good I hear that. I, good rip though. though. I, like I can't even imagine what that means f- like for you like getting super cosmic. <laughs> you know? Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> it's, it was being on the the high hash rate podcast is a is a good uh, good venue for that I think because for most people that's like talking about the Akashic records or like any dimensions beyond what we can interact with with our physical bodies is like oh man that's just the crazy stoner talk right it's like okay perfect let's leave it to them let's leave it to the philosophers so they're kind of cool because i guess it's like anything goes pretty much and they'll find a way they'll just find a way to to let it roll yeah they're good interviewers too they write they write down stuff as you're talking to them and then they will bring stuff like reference back to their notes and like oh you you mentioned this and so yeah good good interviewing skills but uh on the topic of radio voice and like have, having the uh, presentation, <laughs> yeah, so I was, I must have been 17. So my, my first job was, was busting tables at Eaton Park, which if you're not from the Northeast is a kind of like low-level uh, restaurant in, uh, in the Northeast. 
Um, they make they make these uh, cookies that everybody recognizes, smiley face cookies. But anyway, that was my first job with Bussing Tables. My yeah. second job was a being a de- an on-air personality at a local radio station. I was just driving driving our Jeep down the road one time. I was in high school, so, yeah, 17, and so my junior year. And I heard a rate. I, I was listening to that station as I drove by the station, and they ha- they ran an ad like we we're looking for like a part time person to do stuff on the weekends. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. So I just pulled right in, and I was like, hey, I heard your ad just now. Can I can I fill out an application? Very very different job application process than than what we have today. There was no online. It was all yeah. I walked right in the door and filled out a physical application at the at the front desk. Nice. So I, I mean, I guess it explains also your skill and. You know, weaving in intro and outro music. I mean, that take like maybe people don't realize that it takes some skill and an eye and an ear and an ability to. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that's probably where I learned the basics of my editing skills. Was that job? Yeah, cool, man. Shout out to whatever radio station that was, because yeah, I mean, sunny, (laughs) I mean, uh, sunny one hundred six point five WDSN. How you doing, Dubois, Pennsylvania? It's another sunny day out there. It's like that kind of you, you, it's, it's people that work in retail also kind of have a customer service voice. It's like it's something you can step into and out of, but it's it's all canned. It's the character. Yeah, yeah it's um, presenting a character. Howard Stern used to just ha- have a bit. He, every once in a while, he would just get triggered and he would just make everybody hit their mark. Like, all right, hit your mark, and then like if you guys know the show, like Fred would play the beginning of a song and he would be like 72 degrees here sunny california and you know and they would all practice like introducing a song uh you know um i don't know yeah and you can clearly see the distinction between someone's real voice and their radio voice but you have met you know all i'm trying to say is you got a nice voice thank you very much i, I, not, I like your voice in here <laughs> so the irs sent out a uh, a notice to kraken did you see that i did see it i, I saw that yesterday pretty so disturbing they want um, like disturbing a base, stuff. they want a full data dump of any Kraken customer who did greater than $20,000 of transactions on the Kraken platform in inside of I think a calendar year or like then they want everything so that, so they want like wallet addresses that 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 have been sending transactions in and out they want transaction hash data it's a it's really similar to what Coinbase was forced to turn over a couple of years back whenever the IRS served them with paperwork. Like back then, yep. so yeah, I, the IRS t- told Coinbase, like we want everything. Anybody who has ever had an open an account with you, we want everything. And Coinbase, I mean, very likely, very uh, correctly pushed back on that and was like, absolutely not. We're going to counter sue you, and uh, we will. We and anyway, so after after they went back and forth, eventually it, it was boiled down to yeah, I think very similar terms to what. The IRS is now presenting to Kraken of yeah anybody who has done above X amount of trading activity on your on your platform. We want all of their data. Yeah, it's bad. It's no matter how you slice it up, it's bad. Even if they have no idea what they're doing, people are going to get caught up in the wrongness. Like people are going to get letters being forced to prove that whatever transactions are being associated with whatever they're seeing there are either benign or, you know, that they, it's like, even if it's all wrong, it's going to hurt people. And, um, I mean, I can, I get that the IRS, um, in my opinion, in my opinion, this is a crypto issue that they are wanting to go after tax cheats and tax cheats and crypto, um, not necessarily Bitcoin only. Um, 
I think of Kraken, the, you know, Jesse Powell was probably the, the, you know, maybe one of the best people we could hope for in that position. And it makes sense that all the, it's, you know, now that he's, a, it's a year since he's gone, right? They got rid of him, basically. He couldn't hold, he couldn't hold that, he couldn't hold it down anymore. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, now it's open season and the IRS will, who knows how, who knows how many times they've tried to, knock on that door in the last couple of years right but like now they're gonna get whatever they want and i guess people should know that it's i don't care who is running these companies right i mean like matt odell said himself like if i was running one of these companies i'd have no choice to turn the information over there's no you know i mean you know there are companies in the 1031 portfolio that could get a letter from the irs they're not going to go they're not going to give them the middle finger so people should know that you know the the IRS can ask for anything it wants and it'll get it um but i think the other the other side of it would be that this is much more likely to take place on the shitcoin exchanges and yeah. far less likely if you're buying your bitcoin on a boring company like river or strike or you know swan or whatever right you're it's not that it's not that the IRS may not one day go after them too. It's just that their priority is it's bigger fish. Yeah. Right. If you're if so you're a maximalist, the return. Yeah. If you're the a maximalist stacking sets and uh, pull, like pulling and then self custodying them, the IRS sending this type of letter to an exchange is, is largely outside of your your threat model. I mean, you, you are not creating any taxable events on your 1099s by stacking sats and using Bitcoin as a savings device. Yeah, and look, I mean, look, the, we you know we know that the government can print money and do whatever it wants with it. But having said that, you know, the IRS has to look at its return on its investment. Any agency does, and their resources are just—it's just a better use of resources for them to go after Coinbase, Kraken, etc., than to deal with a ranky-dink Bitcoin-only exchange that follow, already follows all the yeah, rules. Yeah, I mean, right? they, they hired, what, 10,000 new agents? They got to put them to work on something. Like, go out, go after these people. Like, go, go make sure that they're paying all their taxes. It's like, it's terrifying. But I mean, I'm, if you're... So it's if, not like, you know, to, this is a hopium-copium thing, I guess, is what, you know, like, mm. yes, I think if you're Bitcoin-only, you have less to worry about. You don't have nothing to worry about, right? The saying is you don't have to always outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other guy. Yeah. Right. That's maybe the best wisdom here, right? This is the you IRS chopping off the lowest hanging fruit. Absolutely. If you're KYCing on an exchange, you'll never outrun the bear. Bear's always out there. Okay. Right. But in terms of getting really shook down by a by a governmental priority to really find like tax cheats, you're you can outrun the other guy probably on this if you're dealing with Bitcoin only boring, low-level exchanges that the IRS probably doesn't even know their names. I feel like trading altcoins to try to make profit is, like, we have been, like, society at large has been badly trained by fiat money for the past, I mean, my, my entire life. Anytime, basically anybody who has ever, is alive now has spent their entire life receiving bad information about how to save value. It's like, it, the money, the money is so broken, the fiat, the fiat, um, monetary product, U.S. dollars, are so broken as a monetary technology that you can't use them to save anymore. So whereas in, in the past and on a proper hard monetary standard, saving 
is a super va like viable monetary strategy. It's like, I'm going to save my value for the future. And as the dollar has been debased and broken further and further, saving became such a joke that people moved into investing as saving. And like investment is not savings. Like savings is like tucking value away under your mattress for a, for a rainy day that when, you, when you can pull it back out. Investing is taking that, taking that money, putting it somewhere and expecting a return in addition to what you put away. That's, that's investing. And be, yeah, because the, the money is so broken, people have been forced into investing to try to maintain that purchasing power because saving is just no longer a viable option. So enter Bitcoin. We now have a proper monetary technology to use to save our value. People aren't looking for that. They're, they're still in the mindset of, it's like, oh, well, I, I, I got to get out there and make gains, got to get some alpha. And it, it's, it takes a while to unlearn that, that bad habit. It took me a while, at least. You're warming my heart at the moment. You're hitting on one of my biggest irritations as a Bitcoiner. And the risk I have at this very moment is trying to say everything on my mind like like the next breath is the last one I'm going to get. And if I, you know, I must get it all out in the next breath. Otherwise, so let me try to like process what's being brought up here. Cause this is like, it's a huge, it's a huge point of contention for me. So a couple of things. Okay. Number one, one of my, like one of my most vivid, and beautiful things I ever read in Bitcoin was from the Bitcoin standard where Saifedean says, in fiat, you have to earn your money twice. You know, first time is to earn it. Second time is to keep it from, you know, keep it from getting debased, etc. Right. Um, so that's true because of fiat. Okay. It's because of fiat that drives essentially money printing, debasement, right, etc. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which now means you can't, you don't, you don't have, there's no such, there's no technology to save if you want to, right? Um, I'm thinking very vividly right now about the conversations I had with some people in March, right after Silicon Valley Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, Valley Bank <laughs> failed. <laughs> and, um, you know, we felt, we talked about this, this is like one of the first times we talked on air, but we talked about Custodia Bank and how I was saying that the Custodia Bank um, getting declined for their license was maybe the biggest story and like the biggest thing we should have paid attention to at mm -hmm. the time. That's that's uh, Kathy's Kathy Woods Bank. Was that is that Caitlin right? Long? Caitlin Long. Caitlin Long's bank. Right? So, like, why does that matter and how is that connected to this? It's that you know they wanted to. Um, create a fully reserved bank, an over-reserved bank. Like, I think it was 108%. And we're declined. And we can, I don't want to get into, we already talked about that a lot. We could do it again at some point. But I, the connection here is that I remember talking about it to normies who I work with. And, you know, I work in finance with people, you know, we trade, you know, we're large risk managers, options traders, and, you know, big derivatives markets and so people are fairly well educated in finance and all that and i mentioned a i wanted to know if anyone ever even heard of this thing custodia bank and nobody did and b it was like the backlash of like the backlash this is after silicon valley bank failed mind you okay the backlash and humor of like 
who the why would anybody need a bank like that you know like why would who would pay them right this is literally wow. we're talking like right that's this, shocking so, so you work in high finance and people don't understand grasp the concept of fractional reserve banking and the risks associated with it yes i mean and you're incredulous right but you shouldn't be <laughs> because oh my gosh because um it's the same reason why Again, not to get into another uh, big tangent here, but it's the same reason why doctors don't understand that they have no idea that there's a risk to pharmaceuticals that they prescribe, despite the it's fact like that a, like 350,000 people a year die the people just, at the from, just of from the, doing the normal thing, right? They have no idea, right? It's just that we're, it's the same, it's for the same reason, right? It's who's educating us, right? Yeah. Doctors are completely, they are educated by the pharmaceutical in- industry. We are educated by the banks. Banks yeah, are, are, the state. You go through state education, and then you go listen to what the banks say, and you can, yeah, that's that's amazing. So, but regardless, right? The point I want to get back to is that general normie people have no conception of why a fully reserved bank would be of value, and why they would get paid an enormous amount of money, even if they didn't destroy the banking system, which obviously they would, right? Because everybody would withdraw from their insolvent banks. Yeah, it's coming. Like that. But let's just assume, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Let's just pretend that they were on an island, right? And only the people that wanted to pay their, their fee would do it, right? It's pretty obvious to us why people would do it, right? Why, um, why we would want to put our money in a fully reserved bank. Okay, right. So, this, uh, this is going back to um, this idea that people have uh, that Bitcoin is an investment or that save, they don't even, we don't even know what savings is anymore. So I go back to the safeting quote where there isn't, cause, because the, that illustrates there's no savings, there's no way to save in fiat, in the fiat world. There's no asset, there's no thing, right? I, there's not even, you know, there's no rye stone, <laughs> there's no thing that I could convert my wealth into such that it is protected from debasement, confiscation, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Which that's what, what do you want when you're saving, right? We don't even know, we don't even know anymore, right? But what do you want in a savings technology, right? You want People to want to see that their dollar number go up and not realizing that there, there's a, a denominator under that dollar value that's changing. Well, but the reason why that is, though, so you have to, again, this is going to be a great conversation. I already know now. I get nervous every week. Are we going to have like, enough to talk about? This is going to be amazing, okay? We know now that there is something, A, there is something called savings, okay? Like, you actually can do it in a way that you are not a total uh, loser. I, you know, I was talking to my wife about, um, you know, in the, I grew up in the 80s. And I saw crazy shit, right? I saw crazy shit my friend's parents were doing with their spending. And we all know the legendary stories about the excesses, right? So you want to talk about going through an inflation that, um, you know, we think, I mean, it's high. Yes, it's high, right? 10%, 15% is high, Mm -hmm. right? They were printing 18%, printing 18% in the 80s, right? Which means it's probably even higher than that, right? And they didn't have Bitcoin, so they li- you literally had to you had to just, I mean, 
you had to spend your money or entertain yourself with it somehow. It's like devious. In order, like yes, because but, the money is so bad, people are forced to drive the economy forward and not save for the future. So I think it's good to go back to the. I mean, I guess a lot of millennials have no conception of the '80s other than just like the fun uh, background sets and TV shows like Stranger Things or like yeah, you know it's my earliest memories in the '90s. I was born in '85. Yeah, it's yeah, so the '80s are are made to be this kind of cute, um, cute time that um, is this that sets the stage for an interesting storyboard, which we see a lot on TV. But the reason why that is is because is really because we had to spend our money because it was literally burning in our hands. Money was burning in our hands, and there was no technology at all to uh, to stop it. Okay. Um, my parents bought a Burger King in West Virginia <laughs> and like, you know, it's just like insane. It's like, so you have the mentality of like, my parents were savers. Like my dad grew up absolutely, you know, he grew up poor. His father was an orphan, you know, he was a saver through and through and felt like just, he, just stupid amount of pressure to do something because they were falling behind. And this is where people are today. They feel like they're falling behind, and it's true. Like if you you, you know you could have um, you could have saved. We've talked about before, like your typical normie saver. Let's say he's got you know a couple hundred thousand in the bank, right? Just a normie, a normie guy who's made a lot of money and wants to save it, and just isn't isn't seeing you know doesn't want in, doesn't want to invest in anything. Just mm-hmm. want, just wants to save his money, and he's right on the line of like FDIC. That's why I picked that number, right? kind of like right on the line of FDIC, right? And just kind of just wants to save for a rainy day, right? You're describing my parents right now. Yeah, so like the problem is there's no way a person like that can sit and project their life into the future and have like a really high degree of confidence that whatever that it's going to be enough and no matter what it is, that no matter how what that number is, there's no way to do it. Right, mm-hmm. like you can't pick a number, right? Bitcoiners know this right now. There is no number in fiat that makes you say yes. I'm going to be good. I'm going to totally make it in 30 years. Yeah, and um, like that has had a massive consequence on the mentality of young people. It's like, how can I ever retire if I can't even set a target? So what it's done, it's distorted and perverted. Um the definitions and the meanings of both the word savings and investments. Because we talk about investments, it's not really what the word means. Investment, we'll say classically, is that I've saved, I've worked, and I've saved, and I've saved so much, right, that I have enough that I feel good about, I'm gonna make it, and I have some leftover that I can give to somebody who is trying to start a business or somebody who needs, you know, who needs the capital investment, right? It's an, it's a second, it's like a second tier of savings mm-hmm. that can be used to really put at extreme risk to help somebody grow a business for, to actually, you know, gain a reward, right? It's entrepreneurship. It's, um, but it's, it assumes savings has been done. Right, it assumes like your savings have been done and they're good. And so, if you wipe out the technology to save and you wipe out actually the ability to set a number, 
to say, I'm totally good from here on out. I don't, my savings are fine. Then what possible, how could you possibly think about investing, right? Tell me how a 20 year old kid is investing, right? Who doesn't, who can barely pay his rent is investing. Okay. They're not They're. I mean, so they're gambling and that's really essentially yeah, what it's right. come down it's to gambling. essentially. Yeah. And it's gambling to survive. It's nihilism. Okay. It's like it's like well, the future is so shitty and fucked, and it's like I have no I have no hope about like for for what's coming. That I'm just gonna throw a couple hundred bucks into this into this random into GameStop, and if it goes to the moon, then it's like that everything will be great. But if if it goes down, it's like whatever, screw it. Like the world sucks anyway. It's like it's not yeah. rational optimism is saving is is Bitcoin stacking sats saving for the future so for a better world. This is why when I talk to people about Bitcoin, well, all I focus on is that it's a savings technology. And I, and I, so I get irritated when the influencers try to appeal to people with capital, right? And they try to say, it's, oh, this is a great investment. This is, or this is a derivative. This is a, you know, this is this, this, it's, it's savings. Like I've earned, I've like, put my blood, sweat, and tears. I maybe have earned more money than I should have, right? Because fiat is so fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but at least I have a choice today that I could protect what I have earned from debasement, censorship, and confiscation. And I, a lot of 20-year-olds I talk to can <coughs> get with that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, one of those three things will resonate with them, right? It's uh, so I, I try to focus on. I really do try to focus on Bitcoin as a savings technology, and people need to understand that you actually have to work and save for any of this to matter, right? Yeah. Like it's not get, it's not going to help. Like you don't just buy Bitcoin and say now pay Bitcoin. You do the work. That's how. That's how normie fiat fucking, you know. That's how the normie fiats typically typically view their investments, right? You do the work for me. You give me my yield. You give me my return. And, you know, together we're going to get to retirement or whatever. We're going to get to this place where I can stop working or whatever, you know, whatever the mentality is. But it's like they're looking for the asset to do the work, right? Where, But the reality is all, the only thing, the only work you really need Bitcoin to do is to just do what it says it does, which is to actually be there and hold the value right and protect a new block about every 10 minutes is all it's got to do yeah and protect but protect me from debasement confiscation and censorship right um censorship's a questionable one as to you know that's something we have to work on a lot Mm, i think mm -hmm. to truly truly get there but i mean we're miles ahead in fiat right Miles and miles and miles ahead of Fiat. This, I mean, ask Kraken and ask their customers right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, he um, really has to start with saving. Like I'm, and again, Custodia Bank. What do they want to do? What is Custodia Bank real? What kind of customer are they looking for? They're looking for the kind of customer that says, "I only thing I want you to do is to hold this thing, right? I don't want you to do anything else, right?" Because I'm not looking for anything more out of my money than for it to be there, truly be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I get, I do get like irritated from this investment context. Um, it's not, that, but 
you know, I think it's Bitcoin is an asset and it's like it's an asset we don't really like it's an asset we don't understand very well. And it's cool to try to understand the properties by comparing them to assets that do exist. Right. I think we learn a lot. I mean, personally, I don't think it's, I'm not going to get into it on the on this podcast, but like, um, you know, viewing, using the looking at properties of derivatives that I'm experienced with has helped me understand. Has helped me build conviction in Bitcoin and understand like the kind of markets. You have a better understanding it'll, of it'll different types well of monetary and, products. Yeah, but I think that like that is um, like I don't think. That's not like part of my, if I like had a core message and I was on an elevator and can only say one thing in one breath, it would just be save. Just save in Bitcoin Bitcoin, and understand if you, you know, if I'm not going to see you again ever and you need to study something, ask, study what answers the question for you. How, why was this guy so convinced that this is a superior savings technology? My parents made a bet in 2016 um, based on my conviction in Bitcoin at the time. And listening to you talk about uh, savings versus investments has kind of put a new... I realize now that they didn't quite have a f- the same bet. Um, so they, they bet $1,000. Um, so I was quite into Bitcoin and going... Th- I, this was my first real big sine wave peak of I must tell everyone around me about the magic of Bitcoin. And so my mom was like, all right, well, with like our son... If, I believe our son, so let's let's put a thousand bucks into into Bitcoin because based on his his stance. And my dad was more skeptical. He's like, you know what? Let's take a bet on it. So we'll put a thousand bucks into Bitcoin, and I'll take another thousand dollars, and I'll put that into the stock market. And he asked me like, what what a good stock would be related to to the technology that he could put a thousand dollars into. So he bought a thousand dollars of Nvidia stock in 2016. Um, that has now 10x the Nvidia stock, huh? and Bitcoin. So that thousand dollars of bitcoin is now worth about seven to eight thousand dollars um so but what i'm realizing now is they went into this kind of looking at it as an investment but for my dad to realize the value of his side of the bet he's gonna have to like he has to earn his money twice he's gonna have to remove that pay capital gains tax then get his money the hell out of whatever custody bank is custodying those funds into real money like bitcoin which also i mean so that's gonna be a big haircut whereas my mother's side of the bet, she has she has sats that are custodied on my cold card, and she like there she has an asset x amount of x x amount of sats that is already there that is already like, in my custody. There is no out, she's already out the door. There's no more taxation that's going to be coming on those sats. You know this bet could have caused a divorce. <laughs> it's so as it's the it's so asymmetric, like literally you might have found yourself five years from now with your mom's like listen we're just we're just not the same (laughs) i've realized i mean i'm joking about it but i mean it's like it's such an asymmetric experience right i mean Mm -hmm. spending five years holding bitcoin and thinking about it even you you think about it five minutes a week right you're going to get the alchemic power of understanding what it what it's doing in the world and unfortunately your dad just isn't going to get that it's going to get everything your mom got but not that which is like the most important thing right mm-hmm. because the truth is it didn't matter if it was nvidia stock apple stock it could have been 50 other stocks that he would have the exact same experience with but still not really understanding 
um, not understanding what your mom is getting. For a long time, she was winning. If you're measuring the bet in dollar terms, which is the terms that they put out, like we're measuring this in dollar terms, for a long time, she was winning. I mean, Bitcoin was ripping for a long time, and NVIDIA stock didn't really reflect that for a while. So she she was winning for like five years, and then just recently, with NVIDIA just going to the moon with AI, yet dad's back in first place again. But she will have the last laugh, ultimately. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have the last laugh. Probably. Yeah, this, this is true. Ultimately, ultimately, they're my sats, so. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's, my God, my, um, you know, my dad talks about his investment guy, and I've talked to him a lot. I've pretty much blackpilled him, I guess, you know, because I, I fa really failed to get him to look at Bitcoin a lot. But if all he did was think about it for like a half a second, or think about doing something very small for my kids, right? with whatever he has in his portfolio, um, it would take so much pre so much pressure off of, um, you know, off of me. Mm. But it's not, it's just not in the cards. And you know what? No, it's right. It's, it's his decision to make. But to be fair, right. like a lot of people, for a lot of people to be orange-pilled, they must first be black-pilled. It's like you have to see the flaws <laughs> of the existing system before you can see the advantages of a parallel system. It's true. And I really... I really grapple with this because um, I think every time he calls me, he expects to be blackpilled. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you know, if you never quite, let's just put it this way. If we get to the end and it never, and he never sees the hope or anything like that, it'd be, it would be an unfortunate way to spend our time. Although I don't know that I regret it. Mm. I don't know that I'll regret. You know what I mean? But I, this is these are these are things I th I think about, right? I mean, right. again, what's more precious than Bitcoin is our time and our time with our loved ones. And you know, there was a time with like my parents and my, especially my dad, where like I wanted to talk about meaningful things, but yet, you know, all we t all we talk about is sports to like because that's just how we can spend time together without like really getting upset with each other yeah and i feel like so we're, we're kind of trending back there because um you know it's so it's almost barbaric how much i have to rip the band-aid off of um <laughs> of his trust mm. you know that's weird he had clearance he he was you know he he had he had government clearance so it's like he's you know he's not like it's not like an NPC, you know, who doesn't well, understand that the government I had government clearance up, when right? I was an NPC. So that government clearance is, has no correlation with NPC status, in my opinion. It's like I had a, I I had a TSSCI he had clearance. It, he, he had it in like the 70s and 80s. And like, you know, when, when they were really up to shit. <laughs> I mean, what? not that they're not up to shit now, but like now you have clearance and you have like, your clearance gives you access to like a speck of dust in the big picture of whatever it is they're working well, on. Well, yes and no. So back in the 70s, if he, if he had some sort of security clearance, there wasn't the computer network that we have now. So when I was in the Air Force, uh, I, I had a TS clearance. So top secret and then slash SCI secured car, uh, compartmented information. So it's an, <laughs> that's, that's an above TS clearance. Um, there, there are clearances above that, but it's one of the higher levels of clearances that the feds grant to citizens. And when, so I mean, 
being in the Air Force with a TS clearance, like we had multiple, so there's there's JWICs, that's the top secret internet that you have to have a computer terminal to tie into. Then there there's a Cipernet, which is the secret internet. And then there's, um, what's the, there, then there's also the, the unclassified internet, which is what we all know of as the internet. And we have, a, there's a, a name for that in the military, but I forget what it is. But anyway, so JWICs, JWICs is the top secret internet. Um, which your father would not have access to because this didn't exist back then. It w back then, it was just going into skiffs or like com secure environments and looking at physical documents and getting on secure phone lines and talking to other people in other skiffs. But now, yeah. now with the top secret internet, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Snowden's documentary about whenever he came forward. I, I think haven't. It's no. Citizen haven't. Nine or something. Citizen I really something. Should. He no, uh, yeah. he talks in that documentary about. Being in skiffs when, when, whenever he so uh, Snowden was a network admin for JWICS, so he had like god level access to the top secret internet, so he could see what every mm. user was doing, where, where all the, every all the packets were going. Um, and one of the things that's on JWICS uh, was essentially like a live feed of all of the Predator drones in every theater. So I mean, he talked about what, like that was one of the things that blackpilled him that ultimately made him flee to Hong Kong and then release all this information. It's like, I, I also used to sit on JWICS at, in my uh, Air Force terminal in, in a skiff. Like, like I wasn't a great employee. I was often fucking off on, on the unclassified internet. Uh, this, this was a big Reddit. This was when I was going through Reddit and discovering Reddit for the first time. So this would have been like 2014, 2013. Hmm. And but yeah, like I would sit and watch the fe the live feeds from predator drones in in Afghanistan and Iraq, and it's like there's some crazy shit that if you just pay, sit and pay attention to what they're doing, yeah, crazy, it's difficult. Yeah. So for your dad to be in that room and be behind that curtain, getting behind that curtain was a was the leading contributing factor that made me real like wake up and realize the reality of the system that I was working for and propping up. So for your, for your dad to get behind that curtain and not be blackpilled until you came along and blackpilled him, it's like, that's interesting that he just bought into it and just accepted what he was being presented. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'll just put a, fine, to, to put a fine point on it because we are talking here to our friends and family and for my own personal calculation, I will regret it if I let up even an iota. Oh, so I, so I, believe I do you. not. So I do not. I go, and if you, and you guys know me, I, I have to go all out. I don't really care. I honestly, it's not like I care if my dad ever gets Bitcoin. I care that he knows. It's, it's about him knowing me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so if I let up and just talk about who the Knicks are going to draft, then he doesn't he's, really know, he's he doesn't really to know me. You. Yeah. And I know, that, I know that I will regret that deeply after it's too late. So that's kind of something i would want to leave the listeners with okay yeah um, you got to capitalize so go, on things when you have the opportunity but that's i mean part of bitcoin for me isn't just about bitcoin it's also about um letting people know who i am and what i'm about and it's not about getting them to choose or join or anything yeah. like that it's just about accepting the way i view the world and giving them the opportunity to see the world that way because I have such high conviction in it, right? And it's not that it's not for people to validate me. Okay, right? It's to but it's it's important like to me that people see this perspective. And maybe it doesn't it maybe it takes 10 years of not talking to me 
for somebody else to make to make it sound better and be like, yeah, okay, that is something I once thought about. This actually starts to make sense, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, this is an alienating life in a certain way. Yeah. Right. Like walking the Bitcoin path is. I mean, you. We're. I'm. I'm. All, I'm in a similar situation with my brother. My brother has very contrasting um, ideology, ideology to me as a Bitcoiner. And like my dad and mom are kind of more more on my wavelength, but I mean they're still like in the legacy mindset of like they, they haven't wrapped their minds around Bitcoin, but they have been black pilled about um, the utility of having government and the, the the wisdom of giving more money to to a man in a tower and expecting things to change is like they've but so so I similarly whenever I see my brother, my brother lives in Taiwan, so he's on the other side of the planet from me. And but he's he's in okay. the states right now, and like whenever I whenever I see him, like I I don't want to drive a wedge between us by but I but yeah by bringing things up, but I also like I I have to be true to who I am now, and before like our, our entire relationship um, was based on us kind of just not having any real conversations. It's just kind of getting yeah, kind of like you you talking to your dad about sports. Like I'm not really into sports, but I have similar things that like safe conversation areas that I, we can just keep the relationship there. But that's I know that it, yeah, if my if, when my brother dies, like if he dies before me, like I will regret deeply that I never said anything. So like I have to t- like being a Bitcoiner, like you have to everything ties into Bitcoin because one half of every economic trade is money. So like Bitcoin touches every conversation topic ever. Uh, it, it's having the wisdom to yeah. f- to know when to like kind of lean into uh, the freedom of Bitcoin and when to when to not try to guide the conversation. But it's like when I, I'm I, living your life this way and being forward about Bitcoin is I'm assuming that everybody is going to have their their orange pill moment and realize, and in hindsight, oh, I see what he was doing. He like this. He was my friend the whole time. He had my best interest in heart the whole time. Yeah. So here's a way to take this conversation to the next level of connection. Our relationships with people we love also have this component of savings and investment. Mm. The savings are. When you have someone in your life, do you know, like, do you have a foundation that you know that as long as the two of you are alive together, you will have um, value to share, right? And Mm -hmm. not, I don't want to knock sports because I love them and I love spending time with my dad watching games and talking about it. It's one of my greatest things I've gotten to do over the course of my life you know it's you know he looked at me as a kid and i was like probably you know undiagnosed semi on spectrum for sure and he basically is like this little fucking kid's gonna need sports to learn how to deal with people (laughs) and he like really made it he made an insane commitment into me i was in like i was very uncoordinated i was in like special gym classes and stuff like that and he was like, he coached all my teams and was like super. So I'm not like, I guess I don't, I don't want the people here to think I'm trivializing. <laughs> no, he sells sports he in like our a relationship. Father. Okay, so this is like a major. It's a major thing with us, right? So that's like to me the like our savings is like we always know no matter what's going on, right? No matter what the hell's going on in the world in our relationship, it's like, boy, the Mets are really fucking up. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> 
right? It's always yeah. in the savings account, right? However, in relationships, you also must like that's you have to have that savings so that you can then make um, make investments. And what are those investments? They're actually risks that you take in the relationship, right? They're they're risks of getting closer. Um, like yes we have this foundation but like i have some super deep shit that you don't know about and it upsets me that you don't know that and you're not like connected to that and so i'm going to bring you into this and it's going to look um it's going to be a difficult ride right it's going to a that you've known me my whole life and been so close to me and i and i've thought some, i've thought a certain way about you such that i've never brought it up with you before right and that's always a thing like it's definitely a thing with my dad. He's like, how could you have not, how could you go your whole life and not tell me this stuff, right? Mm. And then I start telling him and he's just like, he starts seeing, he starts just just completely getting freaked out and not being able to handle the ride at all, right? And so, it, but that's, that risk. When did you start being more honest with him? Like, what, what was that influenced by your Bitcoining or what, what was it that prompted you to be more honest with him about your thoughts? It's been a slow process I think it started in my 20s. You know, like I, we've talked in the past, like I think in my teens, I was a, I was an epic liar. And um, yeah, same. Right. Lived off of lived off of the lie currency. And then, you know, one day I had a moment that like, like, no, I, this is this is t- this just makes life so hard. I realized like, I'm a, you know, I think I was truthful for like a week and then realized, holy shit, I can't do this ever again. This is bullshit. You know, who the, who could do this? Who lives like this? This is ridiculous. So anyway, so like, I but I had all these muscle memory of at least like withholding and not talking about things I don't want to talk about. Like, I, that was pretty strong. I, I, you know, kind of still have that strong muscle memory. Like, and I think that's probably healthy in a certain mm-hmm. way, right? Um, but it was like in my 20s, tw- I did a, um, I did this course called, um, this company called Landmark Education. And this is something that actually I think we're going to talk about in the future because I think this is a company that was super relevant in the 70s um, and it was led by this guy named Warner Earhart who was um, who basically had to leave the work because his presence threatened the work. Um, The government was the government was after him, you know, and he left. For what? He fled the con- he fled the country and disappeared to save the work, and then they changed their name to Landmark Education. And if you go Google them, it's like I think the first the first ten trillion hits are going to be about that it's a cult, you know. <laughs> and people, you know, and it, like people do have like fucked up, cringy experiences, you know, going there. So what they've done now, I I haven't. I haven't been connected to this company in a long time, other than that one of my best friends is works there and he's now like a senior guy there. I think that they stayed around long. I think they, I believe, they don't know this, I, I believe that this company has stayed around and existed to wait for Bitcoin to come so they can actually teach Bitcoiners how the skill of um, accomplishing something fucking impossible. Okay, and which is takes how do how do you become comfortable? You know, we've talked about integrity in the past, not as a morality, but like the whole keeping your word. Mm. That's 
everything I learned about that, I really I started learning there. And so part of having integrity, really being my word, right, was like, the, I'll say a big focus in that education, which is very not cult-like, is like your relationship with the people in your life. Like, need, like if you're withholding yourself, you are really probably not, you're not, um, you're not at a high level of integrity and your life doesn't work very much. Whenever the world puts the label of cult on something, it makes me more interested in it because yeah. pretty universally, whenever I come across a cult, I, it's really interesting. And a lot of them are like, oh, you had a really good idea here. I, I see why people joined you. Like, you so this will like, be, and so it ends up like, I think Landmark, you'll, you'll end up being pretty disappointed by the cult accusations. <laughs> like, because it's really not that salacious, unfortunately. But the fact is the first touch they have with people mm-hmm. is so intense you know it's so intense and it's so committed to like making you be better your it best sounds self like Bitcoin. that um yeah that people walk away in it people who walk away negatively from that run to the internet and post that this is a fucking cult well, <laughs> you know the people that are in the fiat cult that when when they're put around people that are trying to wake them up out of that cult and be like, hey, there's there's more than just turning over all their authority to the state. It's like, that scares people. And then they run online like, they're crazy cultists who want, who want self-sovereignty. To be fair, too, like in the 80s and the 70s, when they were, like, they would yell at people and they would, they would like, supposedly, like, they wouldn't let people leave to go to the bathroom. Like, they, you know, I mean, and you could see in a certain context, like, I could see that the arc of them over time has softened a lot. Right, so they stop being committed to shit like that. But like, I can see how people, if they're not getting, like, you either get, like, it's a one or a zero. You either mm. one, you get this great experience and you learn something. And the reason why I did it was like one of my best friends had no really, like, literally he was his his last the last communication he had with his dad was his dad beat the shit out of him and he left his home and he was living with friends for like three years mm. and. He calls me. He's like, dude, you got to do this class. I was like, what the? F- I'm not doing any class. Fuck you. He's like, no, dude. He's like, uh, he. He's like, I. I actually reconnected with my dad, and I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? That is impossible. Like, it's truly impossible. And so that like kind of got me peaked. And I have a lot to talk about this thing. But that's to answer your question. It was through that work that I wanted to. Um, I wanted my parents to know me better. Hmm. And that realization st- is still with me now when I talk to my parents about Bitcoin. And it's not because I want them to uh, save in Bitcoin. I would you like just it want very them to much. see you. Yeah, they want I to see you. I would very much like it if they did. But it's more about knowing me. And I mean, why did they? It's like, why did they have me? And yeah. why? Like, why would they have a child become so fucking different if not to benefit from the his point of view, it's the product. <laughs> it's the it's the parable of the prodigal son. It's like the prodigal son goes out into the world and to to taste everything of the world, and the world pretty universally turns children against their parents. I mean, that's the, one of the basis of communism is we we need to own the the minds of the children. So in order to do that, we need to turn them against their parents, and so like eventually like it's it's applicable to me too i mean i i went out in the world to find my way and i learned valuable information but i also while i was out there out from under the umbrella of my parents safety like i made some horrendous mistakes too but i learned from those mistakes and when i was ready to come home the prodigal son returns and comes home it's like 
my parents welcomed me with open arms. Like they, they missed me while I was gone and they were thrilled that I was ready to come back as an adult and have an adult conversation or an adult relationship with them. And, but out of that, because I went out into the world to, to face the dragon, I got to come home with some of the dragon's loot. And that was Bitcoin. Hmm. My parents welcome me with open arms, but they don't want to hear it. <laughs> right? And, and well, it's but, yeah. like totally fine. And that's, uh, this is why, business cat, this is why I have a podcast. Like, I, this is why I did stand up. This is why, like, I've needed to find other ways to make myself heard mm-hmm. because, you know, my parents still. And it's a beautiful thing. It's not like, oh, poor me. No one hears me. No, it's Do like, your parents listen to this show? <laughs> I'm going to make them listen to this one. <laughs> well, hello, Mr. Mr. Fund- Mr. and Mrs. Fundamentals. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, good, good to have you here. They, they love, like, they, they love, like, oh, you know, he has all these ideas and he's trying all this stuff. But stuff in Bitcoin and, like, you know, they still, they, they have no, like, they don't get the thing I want them to get. Yeah, right? yeah same, same here. And... Um, you know, I love my parents like very, very deeply, and I would pretty much do any uh, do anything. But like again, like I think I'm hitting on something. Like I have a, um, they're doing me a favor, you know, by being themselves, right? They're being themselves. They're not being dicks. They're being themselves. And you know what I the message that I get over forty eight years of life is that I need to find, um, I need to continue to find ways to either either be heard if if my position is my opinion is ready and right it needs to be heard or i need to go out and get feedback i need an audience to like tell me i'm full of shit or it's not or it's just not working right so another thing we can get into in this podcast in future episodes is my experience doing stand-up um real-time feedback on my worldview and um i would say that's a pretty a pretty amazing thing to experience but it's like uh, my because my parents are the way they are and they have integrity and they're being true to themselves right i am going to continue to punch that i'm going to punch the wall even harder and that's just sort of the way life goes and i think that's the way i'll be happy about when um and i think it's the way they'll be happy about when if you know whoever outlives the other I think something that you and you and I both have a parallel in our lives is the uh, we we both came to the conclusion that truth was of the utmost importance at some point before we found Bitcoin. And once once you prioritize truth in your life, you put yourself into a receptive state to become a warrior of the truth. And becoming a Bitcoiner puts you on the front lines between truth and lies. And so like, when, you, when you become, when you internalize truth and make the personal decision that I am going to maximize truth in my life going forward, you then are now, you're obligated to, when you stumble across truth out in the world, you have to fall in behind it. So when you stumble across Bitcoin, it clicked for you. And you're like, I must shine the light of Bitcoin to all of those around me because Bitcoin is truth. Yeah, it's actually so. It's more than that. Now, I grew up in the 80s. I don't know if they did this to you guys in the 90s. I don't know when this stopped. But in the 80s, they used all of the shows and all the psyops. You know what they used to say? You know what they used to say to kids? Hmm. They used to say, just be yourself. You got nothing to worry about if you just be yourself. It's like, 
Yeah. And that was a total fucking lie. That's such bad right? advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that it's bad advice, but it's bad advice in a world that it where that where that is actually impossible. And my dumb naive self locked into that and was like, yeah, you're right. If I just be myself, you well, know, it's, it's, it's the bad advice part of it is the just part of it just be yourself well, yeah being yourself a, is very important but j- le- stopping your development at being unique is not you will you will not succeed in the world by be, just simply by well, being unique you're going to need to add wor- value and utility well life in the world is an eternal struggle to be yourself right and part of it a big part of it is just the freedom to be yourself right we don't even have that Right, you have to fight and nip and claw just for the freedom to be yourself. I don't know you have, how you have to decide first. It. Yeah, I, you know, the only way I've made it 28 years in my career is because derivatives traders are at heart degens, <laughs> and they like having me around. But like, there's no way you could be yourself in the corporate world. You can't. So it's an eternal struggle to be yourself. And but what Bitcoin has done is it's come along and has basically showed me, you know what, I can help you be yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bitcoin allows me allowed me to stand up and be the person that I want to be. Um, like I, I don't want to say that Bitcoin makes you uncancelable, but I mean there there's being a person that society doesn't agree with on all things is not illegal. So like it, this this is an extreme example, but. Um, Kind of what uh, with what the Supreme Court's doing right now, and the, the rules on they, they just reversed uh, the ruling on affirmative action, affirmative hiring, and big week, yeah, big week, right? Yeah, lo- lo- loads of stuff coming out, that, but like we don't have to get into all of that. But just like being a racist in America is a lot of not illegal. In my household. <laughs> but yeah, being a racist, right. like ha- holding bad opinions, is not illegal. It's like you are allowed to do that in this country. We have the freedom uh, in this country to be a racist if you want to be a racist. And like that doesn't I'm not advocating that people should become racist, but like the it is not the government's responsibility to rule from the mm-hmm. top and rule morality down to the rest of us. If you have a bad idea, you are free to yeah. have that bad idea and the marketplace is free to tell you that your idea stinks. Like it's it's not the government's place to Agree mandate completely. out the bad ideas. One thing I would like to do one day on this podcast, not today, but to to delve into, well, it, I only say this, this is like the fourth or fifth episode it's come up, but like, if we're going, like, I think if we're going to talk about racism and stuff, we, we should have a common understanding of the definition of that word, just like talking about savings and investment. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I think a lot of people conflate ris- racism with being a bigot, and I think being a bigot is entirely legal, and it's yeah. entirely—it could be who you are. And it's like, dude, if that's who you are, the fuck, dude? You just let it make you, what are you, who are you to tell somebody not to be Diversity who they are? is important. Diversity right? of thought is important. But, but there, are pe- yes, there are people in the world, and I was one of them for a long time, and I, 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 I don't know how I define the word right now. Right, but for a long time I was defining it as something that was more of an impact. In other words, is it a, an adva- a structural advantage or something like that? And even that, it's, it's, it shouldn't be illegal necessarily. But if you were making laws, I don't know. I don't. I th- that's an, the definition. I think is a worthwhile conversation because I honestly don't know where to fall on it because having that 
extreme definition also was um, toxic for me. We could have that conversation. Every, because it made everything racist. Okay. It resonated with me, yeah. well, but it made everything racist. I think that's the purpose of the left putting that definition on racism is to make everything racist. So then everybody is a racist. And then you can point, like, there's Nazis everywhere. There's racists everywhere. The, the largest threat to this country is white nationalism. Like, you can't get there unless you redefine what racism is. And, like, I think, yeah, uh, I, I haven't spent oh, well, a lot of time yeah. thinking about it, but, like, I think if I had to define racism, it's judging a, a, um, a race of people as, as a uniform thing. That's racism. To, to judge an entire race of something based on a single characteristic, that's racism. Like, you, we are entirely free to be a bigot if a person's being a dick. Like, if a black guy is a dickhole, you can treat him like a dickhole. But it's like, you, to, to yeah. take that one person. you're free to be the dickhole, too. You're free exactly. to be the dickhole. It's like, We're I don't all like free you to be dicks to each other. You, yeah, I don't like your nails. I don't like, I mean, you don't like, but I mean, we, the thing is, okay, you don't want to be, while you're free to be, it's probably, if you consider yourself, like we have a, we have a platform, right? So we're two people that something we say to ourselves is that we have something worthwhile to say, right? And if you're one of those people, this is, right, we, <laughs> I consider myself as something, having some signal to put out there, right? So like, I don't want to ignore, I don't want to pretend that there's not some historical context and that there's not also some bigger conversation going on. However, right, in the context of what should people be free to do, fuck, dude. I mean, it's almost, I mean, I would say it's almost limitless. But can I say one last, you, you, you hit on something I was thinking about this week, which okay. is the, every, well, you said uh, everything's a white nationalist. Now, this is something that, like, I didn't get woken up to until like literally the week after I got Bitcoin the first time. So what happened, because what happened, I, um, I was listening to the Canadian Bitcoiner podcast because they had mm -hmm. um, Nobody Caribou on, as, and he was talking about his experience again with the trucker protest. And um, the trucker protest, because I was, um, because of when I got into Bitcoin, I was doing Nobody Caribou's, like I was, he was the guy whose like videos I was watching. Mm -hmm. Okay. He had this whole thing called School of Coin, and you know, I was watching all his videos, and that just went right into the protest where he was putting videos out of him going to these parties in Ottawa, and I could clearly see he was hanging out with truckers who were like awesome with families and having a great time, and it was that moment when I hear, oh, they're fucking white nationalists. That's when I. That's when it flipped for me, like. Oh my God! They're the news is lying to me. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, I like, knew the news was lying, but I didn't know they were lying about that. Oh my God! Right when it's you like, realize that... how much they lie about, yeah, it's it's shocking. I've I had a similar moment, not not on that, but yeah, I can I think that the trucker protests woke mm -hmm. up a lot. Of, and watching how the Canadian government handled those protesters and watching how the American media handled those protesters was very revealing if you were actually paying attention to it. Um, so like, I, yeah. I was supporting it. It was amazing. It was one of the coolest things I've seen happen in Canada. It's like people were standing up to fascism and then watching the watching machine him. turn them into, oh, yes, they're all Nazis and white nationalists. Like, no, they're, no, they're clearly not. Literally for two weeks, he had videos of him just like popping into people's like VW vans and be like, hey, my name's Nick. What are you doing here? Oh, we're here to protest for freedom. Like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and it was just like. Not it was video after video of that, 
And then yeah. the next thing I know, on CNN, you know, I'm watching CNN, and it's like, they're all white supremacists. That's finally when I'm just like, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good. It's I'm pretty good at seeing a white supremacist, you know? Yeah, I, I would think I so. Thought I would. Thought I was at the time, you know, I'm like, no, this is not tracking. It's not tracking. I'm sorry. You know, and that was the, the veil finally that got lifted. And maybe it's just, yeah, everybody has that moment. Right. When you have to, you almost have to catch them red handed. It's, it's <laughs> funny know? that yeah, it's talking about re- redefining things. The, the concept of a white nationalist has been so perverted. It's kind of, it's kind of like a, like a boogeyman. We can just put this name on it. It's like, it's a terrorist. They're a, they're a terrorist. They're a white nationalist. They're, they're a Nazi. It's just a term that we can label somebody to, to discredit everything they're saying. It's also a way to create a false flag uh, perpetrator. True. Yeah, and, and if the government needs, needs something to fight back against as they are failing, it's, I mean, fighting back against this, labeling everything, every riot as, oh, these are white nationalists, makes it much easier for them to paint, paint with a broad brush and send the riot police out and just roll over people. Yeah, I mean, you know, not even riot police, but like Nick was saying on the podcast that when he would go up to trucks and he would be like, hey, what do you guys need? And he'd find, he'd say, oh, they don't need anything. They're prepared pretty much for everything, at least. You know, they're prepared to survive in their truck. So he figured out to start asking them, well, when you do need something, what do you think that is, right? And they would say things like, I need a pair of socks, or um, it turned out they needed a place to take shit because the government stopped allowing porta potties to... Um, yeah, that, they, I, they, I they saw stopped, they did that, that. That's insanity. Like, they would... Even though that's a sanitary condition, right? Mm-hmm. Like you think of how tyrannical you, you know, how tyrannical you have to be as a government, right? That you're okay, like you're okay with basically having having shit in the streets to make your point. Yeah. So why it's it's like that's the level, right? You know, and you know what? Even white supremacists deserve better. You know, I think <laughs> I think it's that's funny. Don't I think make it's revealing the title it. of today's. Don't make that the title of the podcast. Even, no, I'm definitely not. That's definitely not going to be the title. Um, the uh, that, that might be click, clickbait, maybe, but no, no. Uh-uh. It's it's revealing that like I think if there was, I mean, the, for sure there are white supremacists out there, but white supremacy has reached the point that I bet I would put money that most white supremacists that are like admitted to themselves, like I am, I think that white people are superior to all of the other people, like. I bet they would take a full Supreme Court of of Clarence Thomas. It's like that's the level yeah. of of racism in America. We'll take a full, yeah, like it's not about say something, the color of your I'm skin. Gonna, it's about the I'm quality say something, of your thoughts. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial, and I think that this really ties. It, it continues to tie everything in. Uh, first of all, big, white supremacists deserve Bitcoin. Okay, they they even they deserve better than fiat money. Bitcoin's and, for everyone. And if Bitcoin. In my, it, to me, makes you really helps you make you who you are. I don't think that, and I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe there's any such thing as a white supremacist. I don't really think. I think a lot of there's a lot of identities out there that are not authentic. I, I, I'd venture to say there is no identity that's authentic. Possibly, right? There's very, very um, few authenticity, uh, truly authentic people out there. Everybody is aping off something else. But something like as absurd to me, we'll say, as like white supremacy, even if I grant somebody the humanity that maybe they view themselves that way, 
I don't see that surviving uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I don't either. You know what I mean? So, like, why, you know, it's like, you know, it's almost like the government needs these people. You know, the government needs these people to false flag and boogeyman and blame the, the and government all that needs stuff. us to be fighting each other so that we're not fighting them and it's they like need people bitcoin to have is identities and victim identities and you know bitcoin makes you who you are and even if you don't know who you are right now likely if you're a piece of shit right or if you're acting like a piece of shit you're not gonna like probably, bitcoin. You're, you're not gonna like bitcoin but if you see that signal and you start choosing in your actions like, know it. I like this Bitcoin thing. I want to save. I want to feel like I can. I want to feel like I'm going to make it. I don't think I can keep acting this way. Because <laughs> I'm probably not going to make it. This is true. Yeah, B- Bitcoin yeah. is forcing every, like, on an individual level, Bitcoin, um, let's, I'm not going to say force, but it encourages self-transformation. And that scales all the way up to, from, the, from the personal level to the, uh, to the city level, to the national level, to the world level. It's like Bitcoin encourages self-transformation in a positive direction. It's like, my Bitcoin node is not racist. My Bitcoin node does not care about the color of your skin. My Bitcoin node cares that you are running code that is compatible with the rule set that it is running. It's like, and that's that. So the, I think the world is a lot less racist. Well, not, that's not, there's areas of the world that are pretty still pretty, pretty divided. But I think what the American media presents is like turning the dial to 11 when really the dial's down at like one or two. And Bitcoin is just going to be a new avenue for us to showcase how much we're capable of working together now. Bitcoin don't care if you're Jewish or you're black. Bitcoin going to keep the man off your stack. There's a man going around taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree the virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. Then the father hen will call his chickens home. The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns 
when the man comes around. Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In measured a hundredweight and penny pound. When the man comes around. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him.